Would you pray with me? Father, as we, uh, as we gather here, Lord, I lift up every man, woman, and child here that our, our hearts be open to your truth, your word that is proclaimed. God, use me as your vessel to proclaim this truth. And may we respond in faith. We ask this all in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'm not sure whether it's the glasses or the hair on my head that gave it away, but I am not Ryan. My name is uh, Matt Brumfield. I have the privilege of leading the student ministries team here. And I was excited and kind of nervous when Ryan asked me to, to come preach this morning. Um, partially because, you know, as we're talking, this is the time of year where seniors, you guys are like done minus graduation, which is like exciting for you guys. Um, and as we we're talking, we we're like, maybe not the typical senior Sunday that churches do. And so he's like, why don't you just tell everyone how to not waste their lives? And I was like, okay, Ryan, thank you for that. You know, I'll just pull that out of my back pocket that I've been saving for these years. Um, but the reality in this is I began to pray and press in, and as Ryan and I were talking, um, is maybe the answer to this question is a little bit simpler than we make it out to be. Maybe it's not about finding it in some like 200-page New York Times bestseller, but maybe it's something really simple. Um, and, and part of this, for us to understand this, is going to start with our assumptions. And so... Um, we all assume a lot of different things. You know, like right now, I'm a dad. I have a toddler. He's going to be like two soon, and we have another one on the way in September. And the, the life of a little kid is like this. When you wake up, it's do I want the bulldozer or do I want the tractor? Okay, these assumptions of which one of these does he need so that he can eat his breakfast in peace, okay? And obviously, for most of us, we've moved beyond that phase. Life is a little more complex. Sometimes I wish I could go back to just having to pick a bulldozer or a tractor. But we're searching for this idea of purpose, and we make these assumptions about a lot of things in life. You know, for me in high school, um, I... I decided that I'd never gone backpacking, but I was going to go backpacking. And so there's a picture up here of me uh, at the beginning. Like, this is me, high school. I was like, I'm going to go backpacking because I have a super high metabolism. So I, my go-to thing was like, I'm just in good shape, like no matter what I did. And so I assumed that I could go on this trip and I could like climb these 13, 15,000 foot peaks and I'd be good. And obviously some of those assumptions weren't true. Uh, and I didn't like that my buddies who I went with and their friends, they're like, dude, you've never gone. We've gone for years. They like delegated me to what I would say like in high school, like this is the cool van, this is the lame van. So I had to drive from Ohio to Colorado in this other van, not with my friends, because their assumption was, dude, I don't care. Like you can't hike this. We've been hiking these for years. You've never been. You're going to be with like the, like the beginner group or the advanced group. And, and I got so worked up on these assumptions, which if you look at this, some of those assumptions were right. Like those are like knockoff Converse I'm wearing. And so in my head, I was like, I'm going to climb a mountain in Converse. If you've ever been like hiking or backpacking, you know, like that's the dumbest thing ever because nothing good is going to come out of that. Okay. Like I wear these now, but I've learned I don't do sports or athletic activities in Converse. And so their assumptions were kind of right, but it was this focus. And the whole time I was like, I have to prove to them. So I was like, I went with the advanced group. And then finally, after me working hard to try and prove their assumptions wrong, I made it to the top of the mountain. 
And in that view, it was this crazy moment because I had spent so much time focusing on that I should be this, I should be this. What do I have to do to make them like me, to fit into this group, to make it there? And then at the top, it was kind of like this, whoa. And as I look out and like in that little moment, it was like this reminder of like how big God is and how awesome he is and like the top of this mountain that like he created and looking out. And the reality like in this is my focus was totally wrong. And I, I had assumptions which, right, which weren't bad. Like I made it, so it wasn't a bad assumption. And, and their assumptions weren't necessarily wrong because I wore Converse to try and hike through the mountains, but the focus was way off. And for us, as we, as we look at the text this morning, I think what we're gonna see is a lot of time we make these assumptions that may not be bad things, but the reality is it all comes back to where our true focus is. And so if you would turn with me, we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 12, just the first two verses. Um, if you have a Bible, feel free to open it. If you have an electronic device, pull that up. If not, it will be on the screen. Um, and here we go, let's dive into this together. It begins and says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So as this, this text begins, um, it starts with this reminder, a reminder that I think is really meant to encourage. If, if you look at chapter 11 before, it is this, this kind of defense. It says, by faith, and then it lists all of these who have gone before. And I think sometimes, I know for me, like growing up in the church, I would get tied up because you'd read these stories and sometimes the focus would be on these stories like Abraham was this awesome dude or Moses was this awesome dude. But I want to kind of push into that because I think to encourage us, the encouragement is these were everyday ordinary people, men and women, but it was an awesome God. And so the encouragement for us this morning is that if you've ever felt like overwhelmed because you say, I don't know how to do this whole thing called like, right, the Christian faith walking with Jesus. It seems like too much. Like how could I ever amount to this or this? Here's the deal is it's not about you. And it's not about me. And it's not about that Moses had something like so much more together than any of us. It's about that like, like Jesus, our God is a great God that can work through, right? The lowest of the lows, the ordinary people. And so it begins with this encouragement. And so this morning, right? May we be encouraged as we reflect on those before and as we remember and say that we are not alone in this. And so may our focus not be on, I have to amount to this or I have to amount to that or when I'm in this study or I'm in this class, right, that it's about Jesus. And what we're gonna see is like, I'm getting ahead of myself here. So we're just gonna like keep diving in, but no, like be encouraged. And so don't go into this thinking like, man, you have to be some awesome person because none of us are awesome, right? But we have an awesome God. And so as we begin to ask this question of how do I not waste my life, I think the, it starts with recognizing a wasted focus. You see in the text here, it says, let us also lay aside every weight 
and sin which clings so closely. And so as it begins here, it, it picks out these two things. And I think often maybe we can, we can put these together and we'd like to, we'd say like sin, right, is weightiness, but we'd say, I'm good. But I think there's actually these two parts. There is this part uh, of sin, which we would all be like, okay, right? The assumption, most of us would say like, this is bad. But this idea of weight, and I'm going to push in here to assumptions because I think sometimes we don't really think about this, that, that our assumptions are, are weighty and they add weight and they, they drag us down from what our purpose, what our goal should be. We all assume a lot of things. We assume things like who we are. We assume things like how we should act or the way in which we should or shouldn't do this. And, and I see this all the time. I've been working with students for like eight years or something like that. And so I've gotten to work in middle school, work in high school. And there's this funny thing, like as sixth graders, they come in and like some of y'all, I still have embarrassing photos I can pull out. And they're like, right, kind of awkward figuring out like, whoo, everything's good, like rainbows, unicorns, lollipops. And then they like start asking this, like, well, who really am I? And you see them begin to take shape. And then like as seniors, the things like they laugh at, they're like, I dressed like that. You know, and we like laugh at that because it's clear, but, but we do this too, like as adults, as we say, well, I live in this community and we may not like this, okay? But remember, like be encouraged because like this is truth for all of us, okay? But we put this on of I live in this area and so I have to be a certain way to live here or to go to this school of because I go to Jackson, I am fill in the blank. Because I go to Lake uh, because I go to Hoover, because I live in Glen Oak, because I live in Perry, because I live Canton City, wherever you live. And we say because these neighborhoods or, right, because I live in Bobolink and I live in this new part and so I have this dollar amount or man, like I can't afford that so I have to live here. And so like we assume all these things like we, who we are is defined by these assumptions that we make or that others make. And while these aren't necessarily bad things, they can quickly turn into that because our assumptions often lead into fear and pride. Our assumptions often lead into fear of others and we begin to worry about, well, if I don't live up to this, what are they gonna think? Or for some of us, we say, well, because I am here, we, we begin to turn into like almost this sense of pride versus others and we become consumed in self and move our eyes from Jesus into what we have done or what we are doing or what we have built. And so what began as this weight quickly turns into sin. What began as something that, that isn't necessarily a bad thing quickly becomes so because we become consumed in us. Look at me, look at my status, look where I'm at instead of look at Jesus. And fear often becomes guilt and pride often becomes shame. Our eyes become fixed on our sin or past or someone else's sin or past rather than on Jesus, the cross and redemption. And for some of us, we live in this fear, the shame, and we believe this lie that, that we cannot be satisfied in Jesus or what he has done. Or for some of us, we, we portray this lie that we would not be satisfied that Jesus could do this work in others. And so the question for us is, is really where is our focus? Is it on ourselves, on this belief that I have built something, I have done something? Because at the end of the day, it's not about how many Bible studies we've gone to, a perfect church attendance. Right? It's about Jesus. And we're going to see here like later, like, there's kind of these two camps we fall in, but like it all has to do with our focus. And, and hear me, I'm not saying like don't go to church. 
don't study the Bible, but when that is our focus, we're missing it. When we assume that this is where our time and our energy should lie, we're missing it. You know, as a kid, um, obviously I wear glasses. There was a time I didn't wear glasses. Um, and as a kid, I remember going to my mom's friend's house. My mom's actually sitting over there. Uh, the service was just fun. And I remember sitting and like the TV's here, so I'm here and it's like VeggieTales that's on because we were homeschooled and so that's what we could watch is VeggieTales. And if I sat here, I was good, I could see it. But they're like, Matthew, don't, don't you know that if you sit that close, right, you're gonna ruin your eyesight. Well, my eyesight was already ruined. I just didn't wanna admit it. And I didn't like that they were telling me, you need to sit back there. And so in my head, I wanted to be like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me about my eyes. But it didn't change the fact that my eyes were actually really bad. And like when I sat on the couch because I was still pretending, like I couldn't even see. It was like this modern like art painting or something like that. And there's this reality for all of us, no matter who we are, that at the core, we are deeply broken and in need of a savior. And that no matter how hard we try or have tried or fake it, that there is only one who can fix us. And that there is only one who has done anything in us. And as we're going to see here, as we, as we jump to verse two, how do we not waste our lives while we focus on Jesus? Verse two says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. When I, when I hear that, it's, this, it's this, this awesome, this really good news because it, what it's saying is it all starts and it all ends with Jesus. And, and like, hear me closer. I think for a lot of us, we assume, and, and I know for me, especially going in the church, sometimes I made this bad assumption that I said this prayer and I'm good. And I, I forgot that like Jesus actually is doing this greater work and it doesn't just end with this one time I said this prayer, what next? Oh, going to heaven someday. Because you see, it says the founder and perfecter. And so it's this once, right, this foundation, okay? And then it's this perfection, this ongoing act. And so this is truth, no matter who you are in here. It's like there's this founder and perfecter that if you are in Christ, right, he's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. And so I can say and pretend, but like God is still doing a work in me. Right? And so how it looks like is me is I'm figuring out what it means like about two years in to be a dad. And I didn't learn until right, we had our son Finley that I was super selfish and prone to anger when I did not get to sleep. But God quickly showed me that and pointed that out. And so right, there's this ongoing that, that there's this need that was still inside me. Like Jesus, right, I'd had this moment, this foundation, but there's still this perfection. And so it's good news because I think for some of us, we worry because we say, well, I look at these people and we make these assumptions that they seem like they have it all together, but I don't. Like know that if you don't have it all together, Jesus is still doing a greater work in you and you don't have to worry about what they're thinking because Jesus is still doing something and then because none of us are perfect none of us will be until he comes again like that's that's the deal okay whether we like it or not Jesus has come and he has saved us we are being saved and one day he will save us forever he is the founder and perfecter of our faith so what do we do <clears throat> the continuation back in verse 1 it says and let us run with endurance. Now, this idea of endurance is a, is a funny thing. Um, I was having a conversation this week with some runners in the office. 
Uh, I'm not going to name their names, um, but one of them has run a lot of like marathons and things, and the other hadn't, but was going to. And so we were kind of talking about this, and the one who hadn't was like, well, I'm just going to do a bunch of like 10 miles, and then like, because I've done a lot of those, I'll be good when I need to run like the 25 miles. And it was almost like this, like, what? Like, that's not how it works. Um, you know, like for me, if you aren't a runner, like you have to kind of work your way up. And so if I just magically had not run in two years, which is probably kind of true, up and said, I'm going to do eight miles like I used to do in high school, it's going to end badly. Why? Because I've not built up this endurance. And so as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the next thing we do, it says run with endurance. And so the, the truth here is that endurance comes over time. And so just know whoever you are, there's someone here that you have been doing this for a long time. And that's awesome, and we celebrate and rejoice in that. But for others, maybe you're new in your faith. The reality in that is, is this takes time, and so do not be discouraged because you aren't where this person next to you is. You need to run your race, and endurance takes time. And, and, and you will build this up over time so that in situations you can keep going and keep going. And with that, the second part is endurance comes with help, is we are not meant to do this alone. And so just so you know, Jesus never intended for us to just show up on a Sunday morning, sit here, and then be done. Like, this is about having a community around you, the same way that runners, right, run together as this pack, and you find someone who's kind of like at the same stage as you, and you also find that person that, like, right, you're trying to pace, and you want to, right, and so you, you need to find this community, right, that there's those in here that, that maybe you feel like you're alone in this. And so please hear me, like, don't leave today without having a conversation with someone about how do I find someone to do this with me? Because if we do it alone, we're going to crash and burn. And endurance starts in the easy times so you can keep going in the hard times. The reality is, is we must be proactive in our faith so we can be reactive in our circumstances, the reason I wake up and spend time in the word isn't because I'm this awesome person. Like, honestly, it's a struggle. I would rather still be sleeping. I would rather, like, have more coffee in me. But I've recognized and I've learned the hard way that if I don't look to Jesus when things are easy, it's going to be really difficult when things are hard because I don't have anything stored in the bank. I don't have any reminders in this moment that God is faithful when it seems like everything is crashing around me. Endurance takes time, endurance requires help, and endurance starts in the easy so you can keep going in the hard times. So finally, how do we not waste our life? And it's simple. It's Jesus. At the beginning and at the end, it's Jesus. The reality is, is we don't have to waste our lives trying to make something of ourselves, trying to reach these goals that we may never, may never reach, trying to, to get this house that I may never get, trying to get into this school that I may never get into, trying to get this job, right? All these things that may not be bad things, but when that's the goal and that's our focus, we're missing it. Because when we are or weren't or are nothing, Jesus made something of us. We don't have to waste our lives trying to be or trying to do something when Jesus has already done it for us. And there's two camps kind of as we wrap up here that we fall into. That there's those in this room that say, like, I have it together. 
you be the ones who say like, your life is good or has been good. And for some of you, like, right, we celebrate this, that God's goodness, that maybe you haven't had many difficult trials, that maybe your, your family is good, that you say, like, I know Jesus, I'm following Jesus, I love Jesus. And so the response for you is, again, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on others or other people's problems. And the reality is, is like, we need you. Like, hear this, like, we need you. And I know it's easy and more comfortable to say, like, I'm good doing Jesus. And I'm good, like, doing my Bible study and showing up on Sunday. And, like, my house and my stuff is good. And so if I keep this, but, but the reality is we need you because there's those, like, in here in this church, in this community, in these neighborhoods that don't have it all together. That they need you to not, like, this isn't a, a stop going to Bible study, stop praying. Like, please keep doing those things. But when you pray for them, they need you to step in the trenches with them. Because there are those who are in darkness that Jesus has given you light. And he's not saying, hey, wait for the darkness to come to you, right? Move to this neighborhood where it's safer. Move to this school where it's safer, right? Jesus is saying, like, go, you need to be there. Like, like show them, like, this is what it looks like for God to be good. This is what it looks like for God to be faithful, which you have been given. Extend to others right please don't stop doing this but don't settle don't assume that I'm good because I went on a mission trip once a year because there's people in North Canton Ohio that are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God that are lost they're in darkness that are hurting that they need someone and Jesus isn't right calling them necessarily to walk through these doors maybe what he's saying is for you right now in your neighborhood and your workplaces right, to be that light, that wherever you're at, right, the school that you attend, the, the track team that you're running on, right, do you have conversations? Like, if, if you say, I'm good, I love Jesus, I know Jesus, do you have conversations about Jesus? How can we have conversations about something we love unless we maybe don't really love it? And for some of you in this room, maybe what you think is, I've wasted my life. Maybe what you've been led to believe is that you are too far broken or too far gone that, that you have to put on this face when you walk in here because if you don't, you will not be loved, you will not be accepted. Let me tell you, like, I one time believed these lies. And I was really good at, at putting on this front, right? There's these assumptions made because I, I was homeschooled, I grew up in the church, and so there's these assumptions about what I should or shouldn't be. And for a while, I kind of was those things, but then, right, the reality of right, all our loss became true, but I felt like I couldn't be. And when brokenness came, I lived in this fear of people figuring out that I wasn't what they assumed I was. That someone would truly see my, my brokenness, that I would be a burden to my parents, to the church, if they really knew what was going on. And this fear led into this guilt and shame because I was so overcome in, in my addictions in my, in my fears, and, and I was like, I can't do this. I am too far gone. There's no way that my parents would love me, that the church would love me, that, that God could do anything in me. Like, I have wasted, I have messed up my life. I'm broken. If you're in here, let me tell you that there is no one that is too far for Jesus to redeem and make new. And don't let anyone ever tell you that you are too far for the grace of God to pick you up and make something out of you. Because I can tell you, I was at that point. I was consumed in self, believing these lies. 
And I ask myself, how quick does this car need to go and how quick does this wheel need to turn? Because I'm broken, I'm messed up, I'm done. And in that moment, Jesus stepped in and he moved my eyes from myself to him and he fixed my gaze to something so much greater. That if you're in here and you feel broken and alone, no, like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That in spite of your rebellion of trying to run away, like of your impossibility to fix yourself, there is one who came to fix you, to bring you home. When we recognize that, when we fix our gaze on Jesus, something greater happens. And so this morning, church, will we fix our gaze on him? Will we respond that maybe for some of us, we've been just doing this and maybe we like our comfort? I know I do. But maybe what God is saying is open your eyes. I'm, I'm not necessarily calling you to go to the Dominican Republic. I'm not necessarily calling you to go to India or to go to Canton. But he's like, look where I've placed you right here. Like, what, what are you doing? If you live in Bobolink, what are you doing to bring Jesus to your neighbors? That if you're a principal, what are you doing to display, right, the love of Christ, the faithfulness, the goodness to those in your school? What, what are we doing, church? What are we doing here for our own? I know that there's needs for, for children, for babies to, to be held, I know there's needs of these students where, right, there's students beyond students in this community right here in this church that need someone, that they need a grandparent because they don't have one. That they need that father figure to step in. And so the question is, is where is our gaze? When we look to Jesus, our lives won't be wasted. Jesus made a way when there was none. Jesus is better than anything we could have tasted. He's better than that paycheck. He's better than that vacation. He's better than that relationship, that girlfriend, that boyfriend, your spouse, your child. Jesus is better. And so as we conclude, as we sing this last song, if you're someone that, that needs prayer, I mean, we would love to pray with you. That if you feel overwhelmed right now, we would love to be able to pray with you. If you feel overwhelmed because maybe right, your family isn't all together, your, your spouse, your, your child, your parent, I mean, we would love to pray with you down front. Maybe this morning what, what you need to do is, is maybe have a conversation of how do I not just do this church thing, but how do I believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is better? Maybe for the first time, you respond to this great work that was done upon the cross on your behalf, that your sin was paid for, that you are now justified before God, and that he wants to do this greater work in you to make you new. Will I let him? Will we let him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. God, you are so good.
Lord, I lift up those in here that, that are hurting this morning. Lord, I ask for healing. God, that you would just meet them in, in their pain, in their, in their doubts. God, and you would do a great work in them that is beyond what they or any could imagine. Lord, I pray for those of us in here who, who have it together, God. I pray that we would respond and, and we would step into the trenches with those who may make us feel uncomfortable, but, but Jesus, that we would fix our eyes on you. God, that you would be the one and the only thing we desire. Nothing else. God, we pray this all in your holy name.